Listen, all the way through the book of John, John has been painting for us a picture of two different paths. A path of darkness, a path of hate, a path of death, a path of, li- of, tr- of lies. And then another path that's filled with light, it's filled with love, filled with life, filled with truth. And the interesting thing is that there's just two paths. There's not more. So as we begin, I want to lighten the moment because it will get a little heavy, it feels like, throughout the service. But I want to lighten the moment by doing a a little game with us to see uh, where you all stand on each side of the line on a few items. We could watch that first. Can you tell me, are you Batman or Superman fan? Okay, let's not be quiet now. I need some Supermans. Are you Superman? Are you Batman? (laughs) Okay, all right. Let's move on, Kobe. Are you a dog or a cat person? Do I only have one cat in the house? Pe- <laughs> Who is Peggy Scott? Peggy, all right. <laughs> Got two cats in the house. You have both. Okay, I think Tasha said she was both. <laughs> all right. Next, are you a Ford or a Chevy? Trustees need to be real cautious because the Chevrolet dealership takes care of us real well. (laughs) They do good things for us. All right. Let's see what's next. Are you black coffee or cream? (laughs) Was there any creams in the house? Yeah? Oh, a bunch of wimps. I don't drink it at all. (laughs) I'm the biggest wimp. No coffee. All right. The last one, I think. Are you Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi? Coke? (laughs) Dr. Peppers, it's Lone Ranger. (laughs) All right. Guys, John the Elder, he wrote the Gospel of John. So that we would believe, and believing we would have life. John wrote First and Second John so we would know the difference between those who know Jesus in a relational way and those who just have knowledge of who He is. See, to know Jesus in a relational way will change the way you walk. You'll walk in the light, you'll walk in love, you'll walk in life, and you'll walk in truth. To just have knowledge of Jesus and not be in a relationship with Him, you will continue to walk in darkness, in hate, in death, and in lies. Interesting enough, 2 John is written to an elect lady. And in this letter, there's a plea to not allow false teachers to teach in her home. In 3 John, there's an example of one who would who would stop teachers who were teaching truth from teaching in the home. For two books and six chapters, 
John has made it clear that there are two types of people. Those who walk in light, those who walk in darkness. Those who walk in love, those who walk in hate. Those who walk in life, those who walk in death. Those who walk in truth, and those who walk in lies. This language is not different than the language that Jesus used. We think, why is there just two paths? Well, Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, there's a road that leads to life. He said, there's a road that leads to death. There's a gate that leads to life, and not many would find it. Jesus said that he was the only way to the Father, and any other way would lead to death. The thing that we do that John and Jesus did not do, but you and I do, is we create this middle road that brings us a false comfort about ourselves and about people sometimes. Both Jesus and John said there's only two ways, and we're either one or the other. There's no middle road. In Third John... John does something very interesting. He's been talking, he's been leading all this up, he's been bringing all this up, and now in 3 John he gives us examples of two people. Two people he gives us examples of. And I want you to know that you all know, you've been around me long enough to know that I don't pronounce things very well. Okay? So this first guy's name is called G-A-I-U-S. For today's message, we're going to call him Guy. Okay? Guy. Get a hold of that. The second guy, his name, the second person, his name is D-I-O-T-R-E-P-H-E-S. We're going to call him Dino. Okay? So today, John's going to teach us about Guy and about Dino. And Guy is, is the guy who, who walks in the light, who walks in love, who walks in truth, who walks in life. And Dino is the guy who walks in darkness, he walks in hate. So he brings us to the end of these letters by giving us two prime examples and listing them out. Let me note here that a... A professor, a writer, a scholar of the Bible wrote a sermon, wrote a paper about Dino and was going to present it in a paper of our local uh, denomination. And 25 leaders in that denomination stopped that paper from being written because they thought it was being written about them. you'll think just a minute about that, you'll get that. Truth hurts. And it come too close to home, didn't it? Let's look at these, okay? Look at these. I want to move through these quickly. The elder, to the beloved guy whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray. Listen, he, he, you know, he lo- John loves him. There ain't no doubt about that. But he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, I want you to think about this prayer. He's not praying for him to prosper in such a way that he can have a rock star lifestyle or an NFL lifestyle. He's praying for him in such a way that the ideal of prosper is that as he's going, that his journey will be successful. 
That's the ideal here. The ideal that is whatever God has called you to do, whatever the mission is that God has laid out for you, that you'll go and God will give you success in that day, in that journey, in that time that God will bring success. And then he also talks about his hell, that God will give him hell. But then I want you to see something. He prays this according to just as your soul prospers. I want you to think about this. If John was to pray for you and I on the basis of how well our soul was doing, that the same way our soul was doing, the same way our spiritual life was doing, that our bank account would reflect that and our health would reflect that. Would we be richer or poorer? Would we be healthier or sicker? What would we be? Because that's what John has prayed for him. Because John is what? John is confident that his soul is healthy, that spiritually he is there. So he says, I want your health and your success to equal what your spiritual life is. Wow, but what if my spiritual life is down here? John, don't pray that for me because (laughs) it might not be good, right? So I want us to look four things that we see about him. And the first one is that, that as your soul prospers. See, I believe that guy was healthy spiritually. I believe that he was spiritually healthy. John says, God, you are spiritual. But what does it mean to be spiritual? Sometimes we think that people are spiritual. Let's just talk about some of those things. Sometimes we think that people are spiritual. Used to in a church, people thought people were spiritual by the way they dressed. Okay? That person's more spiritual. He wears a tie. Makes him more spiritual. Used to, people thought they was more spiritual because they carried a bigger Bible than everybody else. Great big thing. Sometimes people think that you're more spiritual. That person must be spiritual because they lift their hands when they sing. You realize, I won't just mention that, and Josh nails it for me when he says this. The reality is, is we don't lift our hands because we're worthy. We lift our hands because he's worthy. It's not about us, it's about him. Okay? And you might say, well, sometimes people are spiritual. Well, he's so spiritual because he cries. Well, what if you cry about things that are not spiritual? Like the price is right. Or the voice. Or America's got talent. What if you cry just when good things happen to people? You just think it's good. You cry. My boys can't stand it. It drives them nuts. They wish they had a new dad. But they don't. They got who they got. But that doesn't make me spiritual. See, that doesn't make me spiritual. <laughs> I, fair enough. Fair enough, Kobe. Fair enough. You're, going, you're getting a whipping, Mom said. <laughs> I hope you're shivering. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> I want you to think about this. 
What does it mean to be spiritual? Look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. Well, what does it mean to be spiritual? It means, listen, if the fruit of the Spirit are these things, then to be spiritual would mean that these things are in my life. Now, you've got to hear me out on this. That doesn't mean, okay, so if I go to the restaurant after church and, I, and I'm kind to the waitress and I give her a tip that she does not deserve, that's going to make me spiritual. No, doing this does not make you spiritual because you're spiritual, you will do this. It's the fruit of the Spirit. This is automatically. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. I need more patience. I need more stuff. No, what we need is more spirit. We need more spirit. Because that's the fruit of it. Look, look at this next thing when we talk about spiritual people. Look at Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Well, what is the, he said, you who are spiritual, what, what is he calling out for those who are, that have love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If you guys, you girls, when somebody's overtaken in a sin, if you'll go to them and restore them, what's the world want to do? They don't want to restore. They want to rebuke and send away. This is restoration. Done with you because of your sin. No, Jesus said restore them. It's about bringing them back. And then Acts chapter 6 verse 3. When, when they're having a problem with, among the widows because they're not getting their daily food. The, the scripture says, therefore, brother, seek out among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I think it's so interesting that we are so blinded by what it looks like to be full of the Holy Spirit. But the early church talked about it in such a way that people were obviously filled with the Spirit or not. I think it's interesting that we don't know. That we can't see. Do you know why that is? Golly, I'm on sidetrack a little bit, Josh. I'm going to tell you why that is. Because the church in America has taken giftedness over character. We've decided that we don't care whether they display love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, as long as they can talk good, sing good, and do good. As long as they got a big, fat wallet and they're willing to give it. As long as they got this stuff, we're not really worried about them. But he said what? He said, I need you all to find men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to put over this business. Not just somebody who has money. Not just somebody who's talented. Not just somebody who's gifted. I need you to find somebody full of the Spirit that display love, joy, and peace. Kindness, goodness. feel like I need to sidetrack just a minute about being filled with the Spirit. I'll stay. You see, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, 
Listen, we've, we've hung up on this whole drunk with wine thing so long that we've missed the point of the verse. The point of the verse is not about drinking wine. The point of the verse is about being filled with the Spirit. And it's an ongoing, continual command. Okay? And, and so why does he use drunk with wine? Because when you're drunk with wine, what happens? It controls your speech. It controls your walk. And it controls what you're fixing to do. You know, hold my beer and watch this. Controls what you're fixing to do, right? So what he's saying, he's saying, what I want you to do is not be controlled by beer, not be controlled by wine, not be controlled by alcohol, not be controlled by the things of this world. I want you to be controlled by the Spirit of God. I want the Spirit of God to tell you how to walk. I want the Spirit of God to tell you how to talk. I want the Spirit of God to move in your life. So he, he commanded us to be filled with the Spirit. Now think about this. Jesus is teaching the apostles about prayer. I just got this a couple of weeks ago, and I, I can't get away from it. He's teaching them about prayer, and he's saying, Listen, if you being fathers are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, watch this, how much more will your father give you? Now hang on a minute. We all quote that verse and stop right there. You know why? Because all we're thinking about is gifts. All we're thinking about, man, we're going to give Jesus some good. Listen, we're, listen. if we give my kids some good gifts, and Kobe's not getting any more. If we give our kids some good gifts, listen, how much more will the Father give me some good gifts? I'm all about that. That's not what the verse says. The verse says, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? If you're asking. See, I think the early church lived their life asking in prayer on a regular basis. God, I need your spirit. I need to be filled with your spirit that I can be controlled by you. That I can walk the way you do. I think they're praying that prayer. Lord, fill me that I may bear that fruit. Fill me. That I may be bold. I've got to go on. I've spent too much time here. Verses 3 and 4. Look at it. He walks in truth. For I rejoice greatly. Then brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth. He said I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You remember that, that's his joy is that they're walking in truth. But Second John revealed what truth he was talking about. Remember the truth he's talking about? The truth he's talking about is the doctrine of Christ. He's talking about John 14, 6. Where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I, this is my salvation. This is where I'm walking. The next verse, you think about Second John uh, 10 says this, says the doctrine of Christ only is allowed in my home. It's not going to go somewhere else. But my favorite concerning this thought of the gospel and this truth and the doctrine of Christ and us walking in it is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what Paul said. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Do you know what? I want you to see what Paul said right here. I want to put it in your pastor's language. If I or anybody else come preaching another gospel other than Jesus Christ, let me and that person be sent to hell. That's 
That's strong, ain't it? Why? Why would he be so strong about that? Why would Paul be so strict about this? Not to get because there's two roads. And we're on one or the other. And if we get on the road one and we lead people to get on the wrong one, leading them to hell. Guy walks in truth. Not only does he walk in truth, but Guy is faithful to others. Look in verse number 5 and 6. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Listen to this faithful to service. Who's he faithful to serve? First, he's faithful to serve the brethren. Remember John 13, 35 said this, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It starts here. If we have love one for another, faithful to the brethren. Okay? And then look at James 2.1. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. The reality is, is I've not met, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that at some point, in some place, there's not some group of people, there's not somebody, there's not some situation where they will not draw a line and say, I'm not sharing the gospel there. He's talking about his faithfulness to strangers. Listen, let me share this with you. This is not a political agenda. This is a gospel agenda that I want to share this morning. Southern Baptist pastors were recently surveyed. And 80% of them said that the church should not be doing anything with or helping or sharing with illegal immigrants. 80% of the pastors. Now I want you to know I did not get that survey. 80% have drawn a line and said, if you are an illegal immigrant, you're on your own. It's horrible. It's terrible. I don't care about the politics. It's terrible gospel. Because gospel is to take the Jesus Christ to the nations, to all the nations, here and abroad. It's not political, it's gospel, and we've got a problem. There's nowhere to draw a line. You know the one person that never drew a line concerning salvation was Jesus himself. Never drew a line. Guy didn't draw a line. I hope they had come back to address that in the article. If they don't, maybe I'll write something with my writing skills. (laughs) Y'all can laugh at that, those that you don't realize. 
okay? Listen, he's faithful to the stranger. He loved beyond himself. Will you look at Luke 6, 32? But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If all we ever do is do for those who can do back, we're no different than the world. We're no different than the world. I want you to look at the fourth thing about Guy. The fourth thing about Guy is this. He was generous. Look in verses 7 and 8. Because they went forth for his name's sake, he, there was a group of teachers went forth from him, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Listen to what he's doing. He's generously supporting the work of God, not having to take any money from the Gentiles or asking from other people. He's just supporting the Gentile, just supporting the work not from them. Him himself is generous. Look at some verses concerning this. Malachi 3.8 Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed God. But you say, in what way have I robbed God? In tithes and offerings. I've stole from him. Because I didn't give back to him what belonged to him. Some of you will say, that's the Old Testament. What's the New Testament say? Well, let's look. Look at this next verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves cheerful giver. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. I want you to see the Macedonian check. That in a great trial of affliction, they were in a difficult time. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they weren't only in a difficult time, they were in a place where they didn't have much. Abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. And they gave an offering to go back to the church. Will you look at it, though? Out of a diff- I'm in a difficult time. I can't give anything. When times get better, you won't give anything. I, I don't have much. If I had what somebody else had, I'd give. No, you wouldn't. If you don't give out of what you got now, you won't give if you had more. You won't. It's the reality of it. And they what? And I bear witness that according to their ability, yes and beyond, they gave more than they were capable of giving. They gave. Wow. Let me speak just a minute to this. I kind of forgot I meant to do this at the front end of the message, but this is a good place to do it. Today at 3 o'clock, we'll be, there'll be a race run, half a marathon or a half a kilometer or a point five of a kilometer. I, I get them confused. But there'll be a race run between the students and a T-Rex and a ballerina, and um, only God knows what'll be there. It'll be at Cove Lake Park. And you can sponsor them as they run. And I want you to I want to get real serious with you. Now that's a joke, but I want to get serious. We just took 30 kids to Centra Kid. 19 kids, 30 people and adults, Centra Kid. We have signed up to go to Fuge 50. 50. That's 80, that's 80 people going to camp this year. 
We're going to baptize some kids from Central Kids. I'm not sure of the date yet. We're going to baptize some of them. God's going to, but they grow. And all of them can attest to what camp does. My, my plea to you is, is that we could not see the future and we did not, though Josh thought it was going to be more than last year, he did not see us taking 80 kids to camp, 50 to feuds, 30 already has been when we done the budget. What I'm asking us as a church is let's not, let's not break his budget. Let's support him. Let's help him with a with, with, with somebody. Let's help him with some funds to help some kids go to camp. Get them there. It'd be worth every penny of it. Okay. So if you can do that from whatever amount to whatever amount, it'd be greatly appreciated. So. Now, that's the middle of the sermon. Guy, walking in light, what does he look like? This is what Guy looks like. He's spiritually healthy. He's walking in truth. He's faithful to others. And he's generous to the kingdom. That's what he looks like. What does Dino look like? Let's go to Dino. In verse 9. He said, I wrote to the church, but Dino, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. I want, I want, you, to, I want you to get this right here. He, John, the one who laid on Jesus' bosom, the one who was at the cross, the one who Jesus said, you need to take care of my mother. The last living apostle, the elder of all kind, Listen, the man, this Dino has said to him, we don't need you here. I'm in control. You see, Dino has to be in control. He's got to be that person. I'm in control. I've got to have it my way. The second thing I want you to see about Dino, not only does he have to be in control, but he is Arrogant, he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. I don't need you, John, to come here. I will handle this. I will take care of this myself. I don't need you here. So he's stopping John. So not only does he, is he a control freak, do he thinks that he's the one and only, but he also thinks he's the smartest man. And nobody else can know more than him. Can I tell you something I learned a long time ago and I need you all to learn? No one person is smarter than all the other people in the room put together. It's not. Would you look further with me? Not only was he... Did he love to be in control? Not only did he think he was the smartest man in the room, but look at the things he would say. He said, therefore, if I come, if I make it to where you're at, I will call to mind his deeds which he done, prating against us with malicious words. See, not, not only is he in control, but he's speaking badly about others. He's malicious in his talk. He's tearing others down. He's speaking negatively about John. He's wearing them out. 
Now look, it gets, it gets further. Watch what he says now. And not content with that, not content with that, he himself, I'm halfway through verse 10, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. You see, sometimes leaders will make decisions and people will leave, but this guy's making decisions and making people leave. Now, I want you to think about this with me. John said there's two roads. And he said, Guy, you're walking in this road. I think John is telling us, Gay, you're not walking in this road. You're walking a different road than Guy. Now, what's shocking is both these men are leaders in the church. But Paul has been, John has been clear all the way through this book. I'm writing to reveal that you're either right with God or you're not right with God. Leader or not leader, he's saying you're not right with God. Can I ask you this question and then I want to show you just a couple of verses, four verses. And I asked these two questions to the early service as well. Have you ever known a pastor who was controlling the smartest man Spoke bad of others maliciously and was divisive in his behavior. You ever known a pastor like that? I've been wrestling with this all week, you know, thinking about this, looking at this, thinking about this way. And I would ask you as your pastor and as I lead this church, I'd ask you to say, do you think that of me? Don't answer out loud. But in private, you might come to me. I'd like to know, do you think that of me? I was wrestling with it. I believe there's two roads. Look at these verses with me, thinking about these things that Dino's behavior is. Think about Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not out only for your own interest, 
but also the interest of others. That's why not Dino was doing. Dino was all about himself. He ain't looking out for the interest of nobody but self. Look at the next verse. 1 Corinthians 8.2. It's one of my favorites. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet, as he ought to know. Thinks he's the smartest man in the room? Not yet he's not. He don't know anything. Not yet. Look, look at James one We're talking about being ugly. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. It's false, it's fake, it's not real. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I urge you, brother, note those who cause divisions. Note them. If they're causing divisions, note them. And offenses, note them. Contrary to the doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. Not only note them, but avoid them. For those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattery speech, deceive the hearts of the sinful. That was Guy. That was not Guy. Guy is walking in light. Dino's walking in the darkness. Yet both are leaders. But it shouldn't shock us because Jesus said that one day there will be people come at the end and they'll say but Lord we prophesied in your name we taught in your name we done all this stuff in your name and he will say depart from me I never knew you it should not shock us it's only one road guys it's in Jesus Christ and he's give us what that looks like. And you can speak to me in private sometime. I'd like to have that conversation because I'm just looking and examining and thinking, God, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be on the right road. The question today is, are you on the right road? your faith in Jesus Christ alone if it's not if you're not you can be if you are be encouraged and leave here with exceeding joy but if you're not don't let pride keep you on a road that ends in destruction 